0: This is the PropTech VC podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content.
1: You, you know, I'll give you a real-life example. Uh, I, have, I have quite a few properties, and in particular, one comes to mind It's in Texas, it's struggling property and we there used to be a swimming pool and for some reason the prior sellers uh, poured concrete over the swimming pool and to this day I still don't know why. My guess is maybe it wasn't up to code or maybe it was just too expensive to maintain. I don't know why, but it's Texas and you need a swimming pool. And I've been trying to figure out what do I do with this and I have asked property managers after property managers and other owners and I get so many different opinions, you know. Like you'll hear things like leave it as it is, you know. Um, why bother doing anything with it? The other thing I might hear is turn it into a dog park because you have a lot of pets and people appreciate that. And I want to take it a bit further. Okay, well, how much can I push my rents up by? Uh, I, and No one can give you that. It's like, well, buddy, it's your property. You have to figure it out. So I'll ask my management and it's the same story there. Like, okay, we shouldn't do anything because people might congregate or maybe you should turn this into, you know, a, a picnic area, a pool area or whatever. But that simple decision, there is a lot and there are second and third order consequences of that decision. Let's say I wanna put a pool back there. So I'll get a quote, but then, you know, there's all these unforeseen expenses and there's no real way to, to plan and measure that out and have everyone coordinate. So these decisions can be very draining and the consequence of getting it wrong is only sometimes known way after because you don't have data at your fingertips.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's why there's this stat, production of the status quo. Like the first people you talked to said, don't do it. leave it as it is, right? And yeah, that I yeah. think is one of the openings of like this trend in real estate. Like everyone asks, like, you know, real estate is the largest asset class. Why hasn't it adopted technology in a more meaningful way? And I think what you just said is exactly why. Like, if the data was there to clearly make decisions, people would be out there making those decisions. But because they don't know, like, if a kid fell in that swimming pool and they were sued for a million dollars and like, you know, they had this whole thing. They're like, you know what? We're gonna fill every pool in our portfolio. And maybe it was the right decision for that owner, but like if you're going to reposition this, you know, asset from a C to a B or a B to an A, like one of the best ways you can describe it as a luxury place is having a pool, having a dedicated security guard, or sorry, lifeguard, and being able to like do that, and that can translate into real value for you and your investors as well.
1: Right. And, you know, right now, times have been good. (laughs) Every real estate fund has been delivering fantastic results over the last five ten years and in some ways it's hard to know what 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 behavior and what actions have worked well versus having property letting it sit there and letting it appreciate and when we do inevitably encounter a downturn because real estate comes in cycles or we encounter a tough period it's at that point where someone has to draw on that experience like what do how do we add value to this asset what is the game plan And it's hard to know what worked and what didn't work if you're not preserving and collecting and measuring. Yeah,
0: and I mean, I would go a little bit further than that and say that like, I think the market we're in is unprecedented, right? Like people are regularly buying properties at a sub 3% cap rate. And if you're going to acquire properties at such an aggressive valuation, you need a differentiated pro forma or management plan or both ideally, right? And so you need to be able to say like, I can confidently say, we can squeeze more NOI out of this property, out of this asset class, out of this repurpose, out of this value add. And I think what's really valuable is that people know they're paying a high price. It's not like people have these blinders on them. And I think what is happening is people are becoming more driven by the data. They want to see better data, more interesting data, more unique data. And I think one of the ways people have done this is like more and more people are requesting demographic data from their property management system, trying to understand like where they should market to, who they should market to what are their best clients what are their worst clients and it really creates this new culture of decision making and i think it's the same reason like virtual leasing is picked up it's a time like COVID happened like you couldn't give it to work. and what i think is happening now is because these sort of sky high valuations like you need the data to make a decision that is going to drive more value for you and your investors
1: so to make the right decisions you need to measure things you need to focus on metrics if you think about the role of a property manager, what are the metrics that matter?
0: Yeah, and I think the way to think about that is not, I'm a property manager, what are the metrics that are important? But you should say, look at this building, look at the submarket, look at the strategy we're trying to execute, and what are the right metrics for that? And there are all different kinds of owners and they all have different goals. So if you're a small owner and you're trying to you know preserve cash flow have some sort of depreciation bonus taxes you may not have an aggressive plan right that manager or that owner is really going to want a basic sort of like high level occupancy low cost you know kind of go there and as you get to more sophisticated owners like let's say you're going to do a class a multifamily lease-up, right like this new building in san francisco the things you're going to care a lot about is your traffic you're going to think so much about it it's going to be the most important thing to you is how much are we spending on marketing and how are we able to do that And like, what are the value concessions concessions are giving? Almost all new buildings are giving concessions because the owner needs to meet some requirement from their lender. And likewise for a value add, I think what's interesting, you know, value add is probably the most commonly executed strategy in property management, which is you take a building, you make it nicer. And, you know, those kinds of owners are really focused on what's the rent growth? How much are we spending on CapEx? How long does it take to deliver these units? And, uh, you know, I think those are just one way to think about it to start.
1: There's a disconnect sometimes between what owners are measuring and what management are measuring and I, I, I've experienced too. Um, managers aren't necessarily, um, I don't want to say incentivize the right way, let, let, let me frame this as they're not the most financially literate. Definitely. And. The difference between a regional and a VP sometimes might be the VP is able to take a more of a holistic portfolio-wide view and really focuses on metrics that matter. Um, What what are some of the metrics that the on-site team might focus on versus the regional versus the VP versus the owner? Could you give us sort of a breakdown of the roles and the metrics that each level of role uh, focuses on?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. So let's start at the owner level. So the owner is going to have an asset manager. This asset manager could be the owner of the property or a dedicated role. And this person is really thinking about in terms of portfolio, right? When is the right time to sell the property? When did it achieve its business's goals? And, you know, a lot of times what they are going to look at is NOI. They're going to want to have the highest potential rents. They're going to see pay a lot of attention to net effective rents, okay? Like where are our lease trade-outs, you know, compared to the last person, what's the new person paying? Okay, like really basically said then, you know, kind of the next step in the value chain. And like, you know, on the property management side, this is where it transitions is the regional manager, right? I think this role of regional manager, especially in the last 10 years, because of these rising valuations, it's, it's really become a blended role. You can't just be non financially savvy, you have to be a little bit right. I think this regional manager is really paying attention to individual properties. They're trying to figure out which ones have the highest spiking expenses. They're thinking a lot through which ones are really able to meet the pro forma. And, you know, then on the property management level, which is the person on the ground, on the site level, they're really thinking about the most basic nuts and bolts, which is, you know, how is our occupancy? How is our occupancy in 30 days, 60 days? And then also, like, you know, how are our work orders going? Like, did we go over budget a lot on any specific ledger? And I think one of the challenges kind of in this new era of more data, more information, like a more aggressive business plan is that we have to find a way to bridge what the property manager is looking at and what the asset manager is looking at. We need more financial savvy, a way to get everybody kind of lined around the same metrics. Where,
1: where does the disconnect happen usually between um, owner and manager?
0: You know, it's it's hard to say because I think It happens all the time. And kind of coming back to incentives, if you are a fee manager, meaning a property manager that manages for owners and investors, like you're really thinking about gross rents, right? Like what is the highest rent I can get? And like, I'm gonna get paid on a percent of that. And that's a good goal to have because you would think that aligns there, right? Where I see a lot of the disconnect is like, you know, how long has the unit been sitting vacant, right? If it's been 45 days or 60 days, like is the problem the pricing? Is it where the location is? Can we offer a concession? Are we spending enough marketing on marketing? And that's where we start seeing the disconnect is like what why is something happening? If there's a problem why is it happening and i think that's kind of the biggest problem that there is no data which are sorry they're not using data effectively is everyone has their own different idea right like the property manager is going to say it's 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 our competitors our competitors are always here right the regional manager is going to say well we we priced the unit too aggressively right the asset manager is going to say well it's got to be a problem with the property manager so like once everybody has the data to make that sort of clear distinction i think we'll see more clarity between those parties
1: sometimes the issue is that you're flooded with a lot of data as well That's true. and as an owner you have a hard time synthesizing this data and so you really just want to understand and this is sometimes where you have reports sent to you and then you'll have a weekly monthly whatever performance review meeting where okay you sent me all this data this is literally how some of my meetings go you have sent me a mountain of data what matters here where shall I focus my attention because there's so much here and it's hard for me to keep a tab on one property. And I think this is something property managers should appreciate that your owner might have a portfolio and for them to take one report and then another report and another report, there's a lot of context switching that needs to happen. So sometimes you need a narrative around the metrics. Can you talk to us a bit about that? Yeah. But before we get into that, if you don't mind me kind of just
0: asking here, you know, for context, for everybody else, you know, how many pages is like one set of reports that you get, like you know, like end to end,
1: the total number of pages. You know, it varies property manager to property manager. Sometimes you're just simply dealing with uh, one email with a table, and I've been pushing for bullet points that explain what's going on in the table. And Um, then you'll get this uh, series of PDFs, or you might get one Excel sheet, and it's a monster Excel sheet with macros and everything, followed by like 30 different tabs. And one tab relates to another tab, and some tabs are so tactical, it's literally like, the financial ledger, and and it's overwhelming, honestly. Um, So you you go back and you look at the high-level metrics and you're stuck, you're you're basically dealing with high-level metrics, and then you click on it and the spreadsheet gives you row X and and sheet tab this, tab that, and you you can't correlate in your head. What's driving this? What are the key variables?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is exactly the state of like communication and metrics and data-driven thinking in real estate, right? And I mean, just to push it a little bit further in sort of the empathy piece here, like if you have a thousand units, which is not a lot, I mean, for a lot of people that might sound like a lot, but in the world of professional real estate, that's not a lot, right? And each of those send you a monthly packet with 50 to 75 pages. And like your expectation is to go through all of them. That's so much information to do. And I think another challenge you just described is if you're using multiple fee managers like, or property managers, Like there is no consistency between what they're gonna send. And one of the biggest challenges, there may not be consistency on a month to month basis, right? Like if the property manager leaves and then there's this new one and they do it a little bit differently because they worked at Star and that's how Star did it. Like, sure, that's helpful, but like you cannot compare that information for this month compared to all previous months easily. And I think the most important thing that like when we talk about data, the two things we need really is unbiased regular snapshots, right? Here's the state of the business. This is how we're doing. And then just repeatable, right? Every week, you can see this. You can see this one went up, this one went down. You can make your own correlations, your own expectations. You can build your own frontier, right? But you know, we've talked so much about the metrics. I think it's really important that you brought up this idea of communication. Narratives are so important. Narratives is this idea in real estate that every single report should come with like a one paragraph or three, four sentences saying, why did this happen? And I think this is actually one of the coolest parts about real estate is this idea of the narrative, it's so pervasive, it's so much you can learn from, is that like, you should consistently present data, which is unbiased, regularly snapshot it, consistent so you can compare it over time, and then give like your best guess as to why it's changed, right? And if you have your property manager copying and pasting information from their property management system, like, they don't have the time or expertise to go ahead and really think about it, they're just wasting all their time on reporting.